0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now, here's Pastor Sean. Hey, River, so good to see you guys this morning. And I have, and uh, just do want to say thank you to our worship team. They have been so faithful, and uh, you know they're here every week, two services a week. You guys will go home, and they'll still be here uh, helping us. And just so uh, so grateful for what God's doing behind the scenes. And so anyway. Uh, last week I shared with you guys about uh, who's your one. You know who's the one person. And I'm selfish, and I use fishing analogies. Last week, you know, you don't want to just find one. Let's. You, if you go to f- fishing, you go to catching out one fish. But let's be real. You want ten, right? So if you put ten down, I'm not going to complain, right? But uh, we're this focus that we're in in as a church is just taking some time in the middle uh, on the front end of the holiday season, saying God, who would you put? Who have you put in my life? that you can use to reach out to. And uh, I love the video of the the woman when I was kind of previewing some videos to show you guys, I just, I love the story that fits so well with what we're talking this morning. We're gonna see that God uses us as fragile uh, vessels that he has put this incredible treasure of the gospel in and he wants to use us to spread that. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter four. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, interesting, you may not have picked up on it, but uh, I had forgotten this. I laid these videos out quite a while ago, but uh, apparently 2 Corinthians 4 was a passage that, uh, that this woman used that just God was speaking to her about our vision, but it's also the passage that we're going to talk this morning about who's your one. So read with me if you would, starting in verse 7, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. Paul's talking. He, he tells us, he says, we have this treasure, talking about the treasure of the gospel, our salvation, this, this gospel message that can save the world. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God implants the gospel into Fragile, ordinary vessels that in turn, that as we share and live the gospel, that the power is Him and not ours. Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, not sure what to do, he says, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We haven't been abandoned. We're struck down, we've taken a shot or two, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul is simply saying, he's like, guys, because we have this incredible message, this incredible gospel in our lives, we know that we're dead men walking. We're not crushed. We're not sure what to do, but we're not despairing. We're struggling. We've taken some shots from the enemy, but we're not falling apart. But we walk in our life, committed ourselves, know that we have a death sentence. But it's a death sentence so that others might experience life, might experience eternal life in the life of the gospel. He goes on in verse 13 and says this, "...since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. I believe this same faith. It's nothing new. Well, I believed it, and now I speak out of that faith. We also believe, and we, so we also speak." knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. It says we have hope. Even though we're dead men walking, our hope is that the same Lord Jesus who rose from the grave that we just saw in the kids' video is going to come and he's going to bring us together with you and we will be in the presence of Almighty God in heaven. He says, for it is all for your sake so that as grace extends more and more people, so as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. There's no analogy that we can make to compare the eternal glory that's waiting us with the Lord Jesus in heaven. He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary. But the things that are unseen... eternal pray with me would you Lord we are grateful for the truths of your word in this passage father I thank you that Paul and many after him carried the treasure of the gospel and shared it and they shared it with one person who shared it with another person who shared it with another person who shared it with another person and one day father somebody shared it with me Lord I'm so grateful that that is how your message of salvation and how the hope of the world has been transferred from person to person to person to person down through thousands of years. And Father, we get to talk about it and celebrate it, and in turn, we get to join in that chain of passing on that same wonderful, incredible gift. Lord, would you help us as as frail, fragile, um, common vessels Would you help us to in turn share that and give it away to the next generation behind us? Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We talked about who's your one. And remember the strategy that we talked about at the very end of last week? It was what? Prayer. What's next? Care. And what's last? Share. Prayer, care, and share. Every good teacher knows you got to repeat things to remember, right? So this is my test. If after a month of me saying that, you still don't get it, I'm going to think that I'm a horrible teacher and uh, and just think that I'm just doing a lousy job. So if for no other reason in the world, just humor me, all right, and help me out. So if we want to reach out to people around us, we need to pray for them. We need to care for them in some way. Don't be weird. Be normal. Do what's appropriate and use the gifts that God's given you and your resources and out of who you are. In other words, if you're not a painter, don't, don't go paint them a painting and say, here I made this for you because they're gonna be like, uh, thanks. Uh, I don't know what to do with it. You know, do do what you're good at, what you like to do, what's normal. Care for them in some way and somehow share or make sure that somebody shares or somehow Give them exposure to the gospel, an opportunity with that. Well, Paul's talking about the same kinds of things, and he's continuing on this morning. And I want us to, to notice this morning that God uses ordinary people to extend His grace. To say. That God uses ordinary people to extend His grace, the gospel message and His salvation favor to people, He uses average, ordinary people to do that if we persevere, if we endure, if we continue through difficult times and have the frame of mind that Paul did, and we have hope in the middle of that. So notice that he uses ordinary people. I love this verse, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. I presume the music group took their name for this, that jars of clay is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Whenever you have something that's really expensive, you, you don't tend to put it in an ordinary container. You know, and, and, and back in the day, as it were, they didn't go to the store to buy their their pots and pans and their cups and whatever and those kinds of things. They would go down to the to the local kiln and whoever had fired and had made the the latest ware and uh, and and those things were common. They were ordinary. They were. They were seen all the time. When I was growing up, my mom had her china that I guess when she got when she got married. It was a pretty china. Now, how often do you think when there were teenagers at home that mom pulled out the china for us to eat on? Did I get to use that like for Friday lunches or Sunday afternoon, you know, if I'm making a hot dog or whatever? Uh, no, I was not allowed to touch that fine china because what? I would break it. It was fragile. Instead, I would get the the stoneware or whatever and, you know, the just the cheapo stuff, the whatever. I think that we even had some of the like plastic, like I think 70s, you know, day-glow colors, like plastic stuff. And that's what I got, right? What Paul is telling us is that we have this incredible treasure in earthenware. There's a reason archaeologists find broken pottery from this era. There was a lot of it, and it was fragile. It broke. It was common. And and so what the Bible's telling us is that God doesn't take this incredible expensive gift of salvation, that he saves our souls from hell, that he delivers us from sin, that he gives us a new life and a relationship with him, that he puts, uh, uh, secures our eternity and adopts us in, into his family. He doesn't give that to us and put it in an exquisite goblet, if you will, Instead, he puts it in a very ordinary vessel called you and me. Because you see, when he puts it inside of you and me, then the average ordinary person gets to see it and use it. God doesn't lock it away in a cabinet somewhere. He doesn't put the gospel in a museum as a showpiece. What it's saying is is that God intentionally puts his message of salvation in ordinary people like you and me. Now we're we're fragile. We're you know we're not perfect. I listened to the story of what the woman shared. That here she is battling her own whether she's going to be able to see in in six years' time. I can fathom what her life is like. Thinking, well, I want to go see a sunset because who knows it may be one of my last ones. I, I want to go see the ocean because I can't see it. I can only imagine that. And God put this incredible treasure inside of her so that the power of the message might be of God and not of her. Because did you hear in her story? She says, I have friends that are reaching out to me. They're like, I don't know how this is possible. Why are you not mad at God? Why are you not mad at the world that here you are facing a, a life changing experience and you can have a, a peace in your heart? You can, can have a hope and you can ha- be able to talk calmly, you know, as we just saw. And what they were doing is they were seeing the incredible gospel at work. And an average, ordinary person with all of the frailties and and, and the fragileness in it. You see, as we do this, who's your one thing? Oftentimes people are like, well, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. And I can't answer all of these crazy objections that people come up with. And I I don't know what to say. And I'm just, I'm me. I get tongue-tied and I'm just, oh, I don't know. That's the point. God intentionally gives you and me the gospel so that he gets the credit, that he has the power, that he uses average ordinary people that are saying, I don't know if I'm anything. It's almost like God puts the gospel like a, a million dollars in a Walmart bag. He, he wants it just to be average and ordinary. He doesn't lock it away in a Brink's truck, you know, that he does put it away somewhere that only a few elite people can can see or use. He he puts it in you and me. You realize the people that are the frontline ministry people are not the pastors in the world. It's the moms who are trying to keep their eyesight and wonder if they're going to see their kids. It's the dads who have cancer wondering what they're going to do. It's people that have lost their jobs. It's people that are struggling to, to figure out life and, and how to live that. God puts the treasure inside of them because as they live out their life, whether they're at their doctor's office or at work or at school or whatever, people get to see that incredible treasure. So I want you and I this morning to appreciate as we think about over these next few weeks, just trying to have a, an emphasis to, to just kind of focus in on these things, to say, God, you've you've given me an incredible gift and and you want me to share it. Don't holiday season, don't we think about sharing and Thanksgiving and coming together and giving thanks and Christmas and and giving things. I love the boxes out back, and I love the challenge to to do a little more than we did last year. And, And we want to give things away. I can't think of anything better than to give the gospel away. Now, I want you to notice that this gospel is a tremendous treasure, and I want to focus on that from two different directions. It literally, this word means, it's expensive. It's amazing. Sometimes as Christians, we take the gospel for granted. And sometimes we lament why we can't have X, Y, and Z. Why can't I just have a better job? Why can't I have a better home? Why can't I have a car that works? Why can't I have this? Why can't I have that? And if we're not careful as Christians, we actually indirectly are insulting God and His gospel in our life. Now think about it this way. If Christmas comes around and if you have kids or grandkids or maybe a niece or nephew or whatever, and you, you kind of go all out this year and you really buy them something really that's kind of more extravagant, maybe even to the degree that their mom and dad are like, I really wish you wouldn't have... And they're like, no, I really wish you wouldn't have bought them that drum set. Really, I'm serious. (laughs) But maybe you really go all out and buy them something incredible. Now, how are you going to feel on that Christmas day when that kid opens that drum set or whatever and then continues to complain about why they don't have something else? Why they didn't get another gift? Why they didn't get that? Are you going to be a little bit offended? Yeah, I think so. A little bit insulted? Do you, you and I need to consciously wrestle with our own heart and realize that God has given us the most credible thing in this universe, the gift of His Son Jesus with our salvation. And it is an incredible treasure that He has planted inside of our hearts, as we talked about it in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And so it's a bit of a shame on us, and I'm there, guys. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I've done it too. I'm like, oh, why can't I have this? Why can't I do that? And what I'm doing in those moments is I am totally disregarding the incredible gift that my Lord has given me, that he sacrificed for me, that he died on the cross for me, and he gave to me. The most expensive gift on this planet that cost him the price tag was his son Jesus on the cross. And it has a way, when I think of it in those terms, to say, God, you are right. You have blessed me with everything. Why should I have bad thoughts about you? Because I don't have this, this, or this, or this, or I don't have that like somebody else. So church, know in our hearts that God has given us this gift and we ought to value it for what it is. But also we ought to turn around and realize this is one gift that God in turns and says, and now you can give it to other people. Think about it this way. If you had the ability to give a million dollars to everybody, don't make this analogy too complicated. I'm not talking about, well, I'm not giving you to everybody because some are going to go use it on drugs or whatever, or the mafia, or you know, the organized crime. I don't, I'm, not make, I'm, not, I'm not that good of a thinker. Just think average, ordinary. If you could give everybody a million dollars, and you still kept your own million dollars, but you just had that endless bucket where you could keep doing it, wouldn't you want to help them? If you could help cure somebody's disease along the way, and you had that ability to just do that for everybody, and all they had to do is accept it, wouldn't you want to do it? See, what the Lord Jesus is telling us this morning is that God has given us the most incredible treasure into our soul, the healing and help and blessing that, that, that comes, the salvation eternally, the life that we have today. And He says, guys, you get the opportunity to give that gift away to anybody and everybody. You're not giving it out of your resources. It's not going to lower your salvation any. It's not going to cost you anything except your own time and sacrifice. But I've put this treasure inside of you because I want to make the gospel accessible. I've not locked it away in some cathedral somewhere. I've not put it in some other country where people have got to make a pilgrimage to go see and experience. I've put this most incredible treasure inside of you. And I want it to be... Shared and to be spread. God uses ordinary people, people who are broken, people that are fragile, people that have challenges, people that are absolutely ordinary, people who don't speak so well, who can't rationalize and figure out all the arguments, who after they talk and serve and love others, like, oh I wondered if I did okay, I hope I did, I hope I did everything well. It puts it in those people So that the power of God might show through, so that their salvation is not from any superstar, it's not from any man, any person, any man or woman with an S on their chest, you know, no Superman running around here, flying around here, but so that the power can be of God. So church, we should take care. When you and I Don't invest in others because we're looking at our own inadequacies. The problem is is that we're looking at ourselves and not at God. And we need to turn around and look at God and say, God, I'm a nobody and nothing, but I know this thing you put inside of me is amazing, and God, I trust you. Would you use me? Would you help me? That's what our Who's Your One is all about, taking that little step to say, God, could you use me in somebody else's life? So God uses ordinary people to extend His grace. Look what the Bible says down below. and I just made the mistake of looking at the lights, and now I'm seeing spots, and I can't read it. I think that's verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Guys, that's what our purpose is as a church. That's what every church's purpose is, if they're doing what God wants them to do. It's to extend God's grace to more and more people in a way that results in thanksgiving. People are thanking God for saving them and they glorify God in the process. That's our purpose is to extend God's grace. We are grace extenders. We're bringing, bringing the gospel of salvation to people who do not have it. We're extending that That grace, the love of God, that grace is the love that God gives us when we don't deserve it. In fact, we deserve something completely different. And that God still sends His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And when we see that salvation and we receive it, we accept that gift just simply by faith, trusting that God did all the work, and we receive it by faith, And God's grace is extended to us. See, we are, our purpose is, is as grace extenders. As, a, as, as a, a pastor at River of Life, I am always trying to, God, how can you extend that grace here in our communities, in our county, in our state? God, how can we extend that grace around the world? You see, God wants to bring that salvation to many other people. And He wants to do it through ordinary people like you and me. See, that's why God has us as you going to the work where you go to work. It's not just to provide an income for your family. That's why you live where you live. If you, when you have purchased a home or before you rent or whatever, if you really are praying through that and saying, God, would you provide for our needs? God, where would you like for us to be? And you follow those steps and and God puts you there. Now, it's okay if it's a nice house. You don't have to live in a, you know, an austere convent or whatever. But if if it's not as nice of a house, it's okay too because God's given you the greatest gift ever. But if you've pursued God in that, then know that God puts you there for a reason. God puts you in your workplace for a reason. He puts you where you live. puts you in the, the activities that you like to do, the hobbies that you enjoy. Because what he's wanting to do is to use those things as a bridge as grace extensions, that grace extenders into the lives of other people. See, the very fact that you know the Lord Jesus and are saved and have a relationship with Him by faith, that very fact alone means that God is wanting to use you to extend His grace to others in your life, to others in your neighborhood, others in your building, others in your family network, others in your workplace. And he wants to use you as an ordinary person to extend that grace message to them. Now, sometimes as Christians, we can, we can kind of get off track a little bit, and we can make our lives about a lot of things. Coming on the back end of the political, uh, of the election, I, I've, I, we in our church, we have people who are Democrats, and we have people who are Republicans. We have people who are neither. We have people who are figuring everything out and all of that. And you guys know as we roll, we are not a political church. My, in fact, I was asked before the election what I, someone was asking me should they vote or not vote. And I answered them very simply. I said, um, I said, actually, voting, there's something more important than voting. It's called praying. And if you vote without praying, it's sin. First Timothy says, pray for your country, pray for your leaders. And if you're not praying, then you really, like, voting's not going to get you anywhere because ultimately you're trusting in a president or an election or whatever, not even in God. Like, that's messed up. So pray. Pray for for people. that Pray for the country that we would have freedoms, be able to worship God. And then go vote according to what the Bible teaches. Vote your conscience before God and those things and, and vote. See, some churches are becoming so political and they put such hopes on a presidency or which president is this or which one's not and all of that and Folks, I'm so glad I rolled over that morning when I got up and I, you know, and we all didn't know who was winning and not winning and you know, all of this. And I just I rolled over and told my wife, I said, I'm so glad I didn't have to get up this morning to see that if, if who is really God, you know, is, is who won that election. Like for me, Jesus is king, you know, and I don't care if you're conservative or liberal, or whatever, like my hope is in Jesus, not who is sitting in the White House, folks. Our role as a church. It's not a certain political stance. Now, your your beliefs may lead you, and and they should inform your political viewpoint. They should. But what Jesus put us here for, folks, is to be grace extenders. We're to be extensions of His grace, permeating society and culture. That's why Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And if we lose that flavor, if that light gets hidden, what good are we? And as a church, and as you live your life out, you are to be a a grace extender everywhere you go. And as we do that, along the way, people will trust Christ. You see, the whole reason that you know Jesus today, if if you have trusted Him as Lord of your life, the whole reason that you know Him today is because somebody bothered to be a grace extender in your life. And somebody bothered to be a grace extender into the life of the person that extended it into your life. And somebody did into their life. And there's this chain that has, could be passed through. I suspect in eternity that we'll be able to trace back our spiritual lineage. You know how it's cool today to put your DNA and find out where you're from? It's actually challenging some people. People are finding out like some serious ground-altering things. I don't mean like ethnicities. I mean like parents not who they thought they were and can really be a challenge but but in heaven we're gonna be able to I believe to just be able to trace back I want to know you know the person that led me to Jesus who led them to Jesus and, and who led them to Jesus and led them back and to trace it all the way back through and to see the work of our God is extending that salvation the hope of our world folks is that it's not a political cycle it's not who's in charge it's not in economics. It's not whether or not we have a, a vaccine that's coming out. It's you and I as grace extenders are the hope of the world, not us, but because we carry this incredible treasure of God inside of us into the world around us. Third thing I want us to spin out: God uses ordinary people to extend His grace, not His judgment, not attitude, Not to criticism, and so often as Christians we can fall into all kinds of things, judgmental and everything, and God says, I want you to be here to represent me well, to share Jesus with people so that they might hear the message of salvation and be saved. And if we do that, we're going to have a difficult time. It's going to require some perseverance on our part, but if we persevere in hope, we're going to be successful See, right after Paul tells us, I kind of jumped to the middle. You may or may not have noticed it. I talked about the top part of the Oreo cookie, and I talked about the bottom part. Now we're going to talk about the middle, right? The the verse 8 and following. Paul right after says, we have this incredible blessing, this incredible gift of the gospel inside of us, so that the power is of God when people trust Jesus. And right after it, he says, we're afflicted (laughs) in every way. That was a word that was used of gladiators in the Colosseum. or And you guys maybe have maybe seen movies or looked at history, but when they went out into the ring, and very often the fights were fights into death. And it was a word saying that, that we're surrounded. It means that they were when they were afflicted, they were pressed in. It would be like one guy having his back to the wall and having four others coming after him. What Paul is saying, he says, man, as an apostle, we have been hemmed in. We know what that affliction is like. We know to be in a tight spot, to be in a difficult position. We're afflicted in every way imaginable, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We're not sure what to do sometimes. See, some of you are going to face that. Sean, I don't really know what I ought to do. I don't know. I get it. I don't know what to do a lot of times, too. Paul says, we're we're not sure, but we're not to the point that we're despairing. We're not falling apart about it. We're troubled, we're challenged as we live out this message of the gospel and extending grace to the world. He says, we're persecuted. The enemy's coming in. He's gotten his shots in. He's thrown punches. But we're not forsaken. God hasn't abandoned us. Oh, we're struggling, we're hurting, but we're not, we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And Paul says, we're always caring about the in the body the death of Jesus. Paul in essence is saying, we know. It's like I've been beaten and left for dead too many times. I've been stoned for left and dead, shipwrecked, I've been been whipped. I've faced all kinds of things. I've been thrown into prisons too much. I know that I'm a dead man walking, and I'm okay with it because I know that's the price, and I know as I live out that death before the Lord Jesus that God is using me to bring life to other people. In other words, if that's what it cost me to extend grace, to share the gospel to other people, so that they might experience the thanksgiving to God, that they might give those things to God and our God might be glorified, Paul says, so be it. So be it. Now, I'll be honest. Paul faced a lot more than what most of us are going to face. But every one of us, if we're going to do this in any kind of way, if you're going to take the Hoosier one seriously before God and say, God, I'm, I'm going to pick one or two, it's not going to be easy, and the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to pray. He wants you to be tired. He wants to throw you off, press in on you. All kinds of things happen, right? But you're not going to be destroyed. And we carry about knowing that our life is to be lived out for our God in heaven. And as we do that, we know that that's what the cost is for other people to be saved, for other people to experience salvation. In other words, the picture is this. As you and I, as we go to work, as we live our life, the biggest thing in front of us is what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, I get up every day knowing that I've got this death sentence because today is another day that I live before God so that others might experience salvation and grace. It means that you and I know that we belong to our Lord and the life that God has chosen for us, the life that we live out of response for Him, is a life that we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Him. And we go to Him and say, God, whatever you want to do with me today so that your grace can be extended, that's okay. I think that's kind of the point to where the woman was willing to get to. God, if somehow my, I lose my eyes, my eyesight, but yet you see other people to be saved? I'm okay with that. I'm not going to put a halo on her, you know, make her a, a saint, because I'm sure there's days she doesn't like it. And I'm sure there's days she has a bad day and all of that like you and I both do. But she was living out in her life what Paul was saying. And you and I ought to do the same. God, whatever this cost is, I'm on this planet, I'm here for you, God. And it's Okay. And we make that a priority in our life. You see, the world around us allures us and we, we get it, become intoxicated and we just become, we become drowning and all of the stuff, all of the, 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 the opulence of the day, the, hey, have this, and the focus of the world and all of the things. And, the, and when we turn at this, God says, yeah, those things are nice, but I got something more important for you. Live your life for me and be a grace extender. So we're going to battle some things. It'll be some challenges, and we every day need to live for God and be on His timetable. It's inconvenient. It's unknown. We're not in control and all of those things, but it's OK, because God is in control and He'll use us. Well, how do we stay encouraged in the middle of that? How could, how could Paul every day thinking today might be his last day, that he might genuinely die? That's kind of morbid and kind of awful, right? Well, there's hope if we persevere in hope. Because Paul says, look, says the reason I have hope, he's not despairing. He already told us that is because he knows and he believes clearly in the resurrection of his own body and soul before the Lord Jesus. That's where his hope is. His hope is in that. You see, because his hope is in eternity. His hope is in this resurrection. His hope is, as we read a minute ago, that he says, I'm looking to something much more important. That's where Paul's hope was. So I'm not painting you this morning. I definitely don't want to paint hopelessness to you. I want to kind of sober you up, sober us all up. It's great. we want to lead people to Jesus, and we want to reach out, and we want to pray, care, and share with people along the way. And it's going to be challenging, and each one of us will face different challenges because the challenges of life will press in on these things as well. But our hope, is in the ultimate resurrection and our salvation. And because we hope there, we value things differently here. See, that's what Paul is talking about. He says, we do not lose heart in verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying this. Guys, you get stoned by rocks and left for dead. You get whipped and beaten. You get manhandled and thrown into prisons. It takes a toll on your body. My body is giving out. I'm wearing down. I can only handle so much persecution. He's telling us reality. It wasn't age that was getting him. It was persecution. And he said, because of that, though, He said, my hope or what I see is is that my inside, my inner self, my soul, if you will, is being renewed day by day. Paul valued something differently than the values that the world puts around us. Guys, I fall fall into this all the time. I suspect you do too. We give the things around us way more value and credit than we should. We do, we really do. I'm gonna be upset if I can't get this. I'm gonna be mad if X, Y, and Z happens. Well, I've gotta get this, gotta do that. And Paul in this passage said, you know what, all that, all that affliction that we went through, that's a light affliction in comparison to the future because he learned to value the growth of his own soul. He learned to value what was on the inside his walk with the Lord Jesus. Proverbs tell us to not value money too much, to not value it at all and to go seeking it and how unwise it is. And Jesus reinforced that as well. You see, everything in our life begins to wind down and to come apart. When is a, when is a young man at his max? Isn't it something like, like physically? Isn't it something like around 25? I mean, it's something really young. Isn't that about right? And then after that, he starts going downhill. I mean, seriously. Seriously. I mean, like you're just top of your game. It's well under 30. And after that, like you come up and you're here and you just slowly, the rest of your life starts going down. Some of us are a little farther along than that. And I'm I'm kind of joining that club pretty soon myself. So I can't look at some of you guys like I used to be able to. But Paul is saying, guys, the inside of us is new and it's being renewed. So he's learned of, he had hope as he was facing the realities of life and ministry because he values things differently. He values what's not seen and, or values his own soul, and he came to value eternity, not what he could see. And that's what I'm going to end up with here. He says, We look, we look not to the things that are seen in verse 18, but to the things that are unseen. They're, the things that are seen are temporary, they're transient, but the other things, are eternal. Maturity by definition begins to happen when somebody can weigh tomorrow versus today. And they can exercise patience. Kids have little patience. They want it now. They want it immediate. They want this instant reward. And as people grow and mature, they learn to become patient. I'm not sure on the other side we become more impatient. Those of you that have had elderly parents might you know, speak to that better than I can. But somewhere in the middle there, we learn to be much more patient. And it's a part of the maturing process in our lives. And What Paul is saying is that he has learned to be spiritually mature, to realize that the instantaneous gratitude of all the things that this life might offer us The influence and the positions and the titles and the possessions and all of that mean nothing in comparison to eternity. And he valued that. And because he valued that, that's where his hope was. And because that's where his hope was, he was able to endure. Because he was able to endure, he was able to faithfully, continually, every day, be an ordinary person that extended the grace of God. So, church, I'm calling us to be reminded afresh, to watch what you value in your life today, evaluate that. What are you valuing right now more than you should? And how is that in comparison into, in comparison to the to eternity? What role will that have in your life in eternity? I don't think when I'm in heaven, I'm gonna care how well I kept my lawn how many times I mowed it or not. I don't think I'm going to care a whole lot about what clothes I wore or didn't have or what degrees I had or didn't have and where I spent all my days and all my time. I don't think I'm really going to care. And it's kind of embarrassing, to be real honest with you, in the moment how much value I can put on some things that are pretty silly today (laughs) in comparison to that. And Paul is saying, guys, look to eternity. Base your values there. Find your hope there. And when you find your hope there, you're willing to go through some difficult times here. And know that as you go through those difficult times here, it's just God putting the grace and His salvation on display so that other people might receive it. Because God wants people to look at you and me and not think that we're great. He wants people to look at you and me and think that He's great. That's the point. And he puts that on display as we humbly live our life through this messed up world, keeping our priorities straight. So as you think through, I'm asking you to to buy into the who's your one. Personally, this is not going to be, as I've already told you, this is not going to be a public thing. This is not going to be a list anywhere or anything. This is between you and God. Uh, Some of you may have missed the little booklets that we put out there. To be real honest with you, people took those way more than I was expecting. I've gotten things before and I've always like have stacks them around I feel like we wasted so I ordered I think like 80 of them and they, they're gone like people are asking for them so I sent you a link this week that you can get electronically if you want we're gonna have more they should be here plenty of time next week so we're actually gonna delay this I was planning on starting the, the the 30 days tomorrow but we're gonna wait a week we'll wait till like next next Monday to let these other things come in but I'm asking you to buy into that. And if you're an eager beaver, overachiever, and you want to start today, have at it. It's awesome. Just do it, right? But write some of those names down. Begin to pray for them. Use that little devotion as accountability piece. Write in there some ways that you can care and pray about it. Ask God to show you one or two ways that you can demonstrate that care. And then ask God to help you to know how you can share or make sure that they hear the gospel. Because, folks, until they hear the message of salvation and receive that by faith, grace has not been extended to them. I don't care how often they've gone to church. I don't care what religion they grew up in. I don't care how much they may pray. They may talk about Jesus or whatever. But until they admit that they're a sinner before holy God in heaven and they get on their knees before God, at least on their knees in their heart, and surrender their life to Jesus as as their Lord and Savior, they're not under God's grace. They're not under the loving disposition of a holy God in heaven. They're actually under the wrathful disposition of God in heaven. And our job is to offer them the message of, of salvation, of rescue, of hope, And so what we're talking about, guys, is life or death for the people around us. So take it to heart. Let God speak into your world and consider the things that I'm talking about. Pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus. I thank you for his love and his salvation. God, I'm grateful that you put this treasure in ordinary people like us. Lord, there's not a single person in this room that is a superhero, that is a super saint, that has all of their act perfectly together. Lord, we're we're all those frail and fragile pieces. Father, we have chips knocked out of us. We're that just everyday tableware. But Lord, the glory of your gospel shines the brightest. And it's such a strange thing that you would put the most expensive, wonderful thing in the world and instead of putting it in an incredible box or package, you just put it in in us. Father, would you get glory? Would you help us as we reach out and as we consider the network and the people that you've placed us in, the people that are around us? Lord, would you help us to be grace extenders, I pray, this season? And Father, we leave all the results to you. You didn't tell us to be responsible for the results. You just told us to endure, to have hope, and to value the things of eternity, to extend grace, and to be willing just to be simply used by you. So, Father, we leave all the results to you. ask that you would use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys, I pray God blesses you this week. Think about the people that you run into, that you bump into. There's probably somebody new that God's going to put in your mind and heart. Capture those names, write them down, and let's see what God does with these over the next few weeks. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.